discipline he had followed since Paris. I write every morning as soon after first light as possible. There is no one to disturb you, and it is cool or cold, and you come to your work and warm as you write. He didn't work all day. I think that's the most illuminating thing about describing his writing habits. After lunch, he enjoyed himself. As a Good evening. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus from Film Podcast. That, of course, is a clip from Ken Burns' documentary, an epic one of, of that, Hemingway. I recently began to watch it. I'm going to chronicle as I watch it. It's broken into three parts. It is six hours long. It is epic. I have seen many films adapted from Hemingway's novels. For for whom the bell tolls, to have and to have not, and the old man in the sea. The man himself, very elusive. People are always name-dropping him. Oh, that's a Hemingway type of thing. He is within the lexicon. Is that iconic? Directed by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick. Released in April of 2021. Burns documented both the public and private persona of Hemingway from his birth in 1899 to his death in 1961. It focuses on Hemingway's writing, his four marriages, three sons, and Hemingway's peacetime and wartime lifestyle and interests. The film was narrated by Peter Coyote with Jeff Daniels acting as the voice of Ernest Hemingway. Other voices include Meryl Streep, who voiced Hemingway's third wife, Martha Gilhorn. The late Senator John McCain was interviewed for this documentary sometime before his death in 2018. In 2007, Burns had made an agreement with PBS to produce work for the network well into the next decade. According to a 2017 piece in The New Yorker, Burns and his company, Florentine Films, selected topics for documentaries slated for release by 2030. Whoa. This documentary is epic. It is epic. The subject matter. I will say from my first look at it he was a brat he was a brat and many of our luminaries are well braggadocious and brats but his writing style is unparalleled and what he was able to do 
end, Ken Burns basically unpacks Ernest Hemingway's facade of masculinity because he was not totally masculine. He was obsessed with both feminine and masculinity. That's interesting right there. More so also from his upbringing. This is an intense documentary. It is intense. And we can't really sum sum it up in one one you know one podcast itself. And uh, what I'm really trying to do is move into these clips that I have before you. I love history. History is probably the most interesting thing to me. And I remember having a conversation when I was a teacher, when I was, that may change soon. And another teacher said to me, she didn't like history. And I said, why? She said, because I live in the here and the now. And I said, well, with all due respect, in order for you to live in the here and now, you need to know the history of this country, where you're going, where you come from, because you can't know where you're going unless you know where you come from and how our country is so flawed in terms of the historical moments that we've all faced. And we are in an ever-changing moment of history. And I can't stress that enough. And Hemingway was on the pulse of history. The 20th century was... It was a moment. It was a moment. Those of you who were born in the 2000s won't understand that until years from now. The 20th century. I was born in the last half of the 20th century. The last, last half. The 1980s. But I often... A good friend of mine said that the children are in our future, and I agree with him. Because in order to get to our future, we have to go back. And so our elderly, they are so important. And so I would always make a point to talk to people who lived in the first half of the 20th century. My grandfather was born in 1917. Every chance I got, I talked to him about it. He was a guarded Alcatraz. My other grandfather was born in 1929. He was born right before the stock market crashed. He was born in July of 1929. The stock market crashed in in October of 1929. My grandmother was born in 1933. That was the era of Shirley Temple. And my other grandmother was born in 1926, right before the first talkies, the films. So... To talk to them about the 20th century. And then, of course, my professor and friend, Rowena Walker, who was born in the Depression, during the Depression. And often told me and her daughters about how you would have like a depression meal because you could only eat so much you had to ration. She also talked extensively about Ernest Hemingway. Many people that I've known ever since I was little always talked about Hemingway in the the novels, how he romanticized war. But then you grow up and you talk to people who actually saw war and it is not 
you cannot romanticize what they saw because it is this and at that point during Hemingway's era it was shell shock syndrome now it's called PTSD I could never begin to fathom what our veterans live with and so that that right there it's interesting I haven't gotten to the point where John McCain talks about Hemingway romanticizing war because he himself was a prisoner of war so let's dive back into Hemingway by Ken Burns and Lynn Novick leaving Bumby with a nanny the Hemingways returned to Pamplona for the annual running of the bulls with them went a group of five American and British friends, including the seductive Lady Duff Twisden. Everybody was drinking all the time, and everybody was having affairs all the time, Hadley remembered. I found it sort of upsetting. Afterwards, Ernest and Hadley continued to follow the bullfights across Spain. Valencia, Madrid, San Sebastian, and as they traveled, aboard trains and buses, on restaurant tables and in hotel rooms at night, he worked feverishly on a novel, inspired by the turbulent time they'd had with their friends in Pamplona. It would be called The Sun Also Rises. The first draft was finished in just eight weeks. It would be a clear-eyed and sardonic portrait of what Gertrude Stein called the lost generation. Men and women scarred by the Great War who did their best to erase its memory. The narrator, a newspaper man from Kansas City, was first named M, before he became Jake Barnes. Barnes is a war veteran with a mysterious and unexplained wound that has made him impotent. Es una novela donde hay un gran silencio, ¿no es cierto? Hay algo central que está ocultado y que el lector va descubriendo poco a poco que es la impotencia del protagonista. Outside a night train running on the streetcar tracks went by carrying vegetables to the markets. They were noisy at night when you could not sleep. Undressing I looked at myself in the mirror of the big armoire beside the bed. Of all the ways to be wounded. Hi. And so that is an excerpt with Lynn Novak talking at the end of uh, Hemingway. There's a lot within this documentary. It stirred controversy because we live in a politically correct society, which is crazy. A lot of the comedians have talked about that. Even even before they died, Carlin and, and Pryor. Um, but this really... It's a fascinating portrait, and I'm not even finished with it. But, you know, you dive into these documentaries. I think documentaries probably are my favorites. Because there's so much going on. It's real. Unless it's a mockumentary. Like, this is Spinal Tap, which is so hilarious. 
to that's always the the issue I have with those biopics when they do biopics on people you really could just do a documentary because you are doing a disservice trying to paint a portrait of someone who is either dead or still alive and then you have historical inaccuracies because you're trying to save time within a film you are it, it's almost like doing a film based off of a, a wikipedia article in fact i've often said and this is a controversial statement that the queen film that i hated bohemian rhapsody really basically is a is a wikipedia film because it's all wikipedia it, it saves time, but it doesn't mention the important things. And so these documentaries, my goodness. Yeah, these are, these are crazy times. So... I mean, I, I'm, I am in awe of Ken Burns' documentary style. Sometimes I think it's... Yeah, he gets in trouble for not focusing too much on people of color. And I agree with that totally. One time I wrote to him, I didn't get a response, obviously, about that. And my, my, my issue with that, because he was talking about the Vietnam War. And I said, oh, well, I, I wrote to him and I said, well, I hope that you focus also on the people of color who fought in the Vietnam War because they couldn't just run off to Canada. They couldn't just draft dodge because they were poor. And that's true. And, and thankfully he, he went back and I think he added some things. But oh my goodness. Yeah. This is this is uh a, a documentary that I'm going to dive into like a really good novel. I Every now and then, you know, attention-wise, it's tough to sit and read a really good novel. We live in such a fast-paced world, and for me, audiobooks really help. You know, I go for a walk or I go for a drive. I mean, unfortunately, you can't drive and read a, book, a good novel. You could try, but you're going to get carsick this documentary of Ernest Hemingway. This is the first piece, and then I'm going to like a good piece of cake, a cheesecake like the Golden Girls, I'm going to dive in and very respectably have, as my grandfather would say, a sliver. Not a big piece, but a sliver. And then work my way in. This is a six hour documentary done brilliantly by Ken Burns and Lynn Novak. Now, that piece that I just played for you, that was narrated by Peter Coyote. Peter Coyote, who does so many of the Ken Burns narration. If you don't know who Peter Coyote is, he is a child of the 60s. He's a product of the, you know, he lived in the San Francisco scene. He was one of the scientists in E.T., directed by Steven Spielberg. 40 years ago. Isn't that hard to believe next year will be the 40th anniversary of E.T. Um, but back to Ernest Hemingway. My goodness, what a what a character. What a flawed individual. Not perfect. And sometimes the right our best writers are flawed individuals. I'm a writer. I'm a flawed individual. But I will never compare to Ernest Hemingway. 
and I think the life that he wanted to live on his own terms wasn't just playing for the camera it's almost like he was putting the show on for himself as always unpleasant dreams <laughs>